Good evening. Tonight I'm going to change things up a bit and provide a rambling rant. This isn't polished, but it is an interesting concept I think some people should think about more often, especially here in the States. So, I live in what I would call a decent neighborhood outside of a major city. It's peaceful, safe, people are friendly, and most important to me, it's a five-minute walk to public transportation and not far from essential stores and businesses to help life go on smoothly. Caveat here is, my neighborhood, while somewhat tucked away, isn't far from a major boulevard with four lanes of traffic and a suicide lane, and the massively ugly and expansive common commercial sprawl we in America have all come to know and use as normal and necessary. Huge, mostly empty parking lots, big box stores, sterile, plain, and stagnant, what I call the commercial wasteland. It's really not pretty to look at, much less stand in, walk through, or even drive through. For all of you American listeners, you know the scene well, so it won't take much imagination. For my foreign listeners, just look up a satellite view outside of any major American city. When you spot the large shopping centers and expansive parking lots, you have it. My immediate area of the boulevard is what is known as an automobile row, which for those of you who don't know, is a long stretch of road predominantly littered with car dealerships. So what I also get when I'm on the boulevard is people flying by hammering on the accelerator as they test the capabilities of their potential new cars. I would have preferred to live in a neighborhood with a more mixed-use feel, meaning small businesses mixed in with residential properties, but finding a place to rent can be difficult in the Portland metropolitan area, and I only had one more day to look at and lock down a place before flying back to New York. There was no way I was going to sign a lease sight unseen, and I didn't have all kinds of money to come back for another week-long apartment hunting trip again. It was newly renovated, affordable, and I took it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely grateful for the neighborhood and what I have close by. Convenience store on the corner so I can grab eggs, peanuts, or ice cream if I need a quick fix. Tons of restaurants if I want takeout. A 10-minute walk to the post office, which I use all the time. That's probably where I go most, honestly. And there's a ton of other stores and under a 10-minute bus ride, including a grocery store. And as I said, the public transit is close, and in this town, it's pretty damn good. Buses every 12 to 20 minutes, trains like every 20 to 25 too. I like walking. I've always liked walking. When I was a kid, I was a skateboarder and also had a kind of low rider bike with a huge, super low profile banana seat and a little steering wheel. Yes, it was the coolest. Also, awesome. I would ride long distances to see girls or hang with friends all the time. Long distance for a kid anyway, anywhere from one to three hour rides. These days, I occasionally use an electric skateboard because it's the future now, and we used to dream about electric skateboards growing up. Hoverboards, please come up before I take the big sleep. So, in my neighborhood, I rarely see anyone else walking on the main boulevard. I see people up in the neighborhood streets walking all the time, but down on the boulevard, rarely. And why do you think that is? For a while now, I've been taking an alternate route through my neighborhood to avoid the main boulevard, but the funny thing is, it was almost an unconscious decision to do so. I can't recall ever giving myself a reason to do it, as it's actually a slightly less direct route of going to the post office, for instance. 
It was like an auto-decision or auto-response in a matter of speaking. Recently, I saw a bunch of videos about urban planning, transportation, walkable neighborhoods, and it really got me thinking about why I sort of unconsciously began taking more isolated, indirect routes to my destinations when I ventured out. I realized the reason I started doing it, and the likely reason I rarely see anyone walking on the boulevard, is because of the cars and the traffic. More to the point, the way it feels when I'm walking next to massive boxes of metal and plastic speeding by at close range. I never realized how unsettling it was until I actually thought about it, probably because I've been walking near high-density traffic my entire life. Not to mention the fumes. Sometimes I can smell the fumes when I'm not even on the boulevard yet. And I started remembering other times I felt unsettled in similar situations, but never really gave it much thought. Like near my old apartment, whenever I waited for the bus on a main road, I would sometimes get slightly anxious. I never gave it much thought, but it was definitely odd because I'm not an anxious person by nature. I just figured it was because I was standing by myself and sort of on display for all the passing cars. A lot of the people driving by would stare at me because it was a very rarely used bus stop. They probably wondered why I was standing there. Plus, a pale guy in all black with bald head sticks out, I guess. These days, people stare because of the mesmerizing luster of my beautiful golden locks. And this bus stop thing wasn't an isolated incident. I recall feeling this sort of unidentifiable unease or slight anxiety at multiple times over the years. Always at bus stops and walking on high traffic roads. Seems to me there's something to this. That humans aren't really meant to be walking amongst large speeding hunks of metal and plastic whipping past them. Including the obvious physical lethal reasons of course, especially with such frequent cell phone use while driving these days. Don't use your cell phone while driving. It can wait. Over the years, I've purposely lived in places where I was close to necessities. My first apartment was near a coffee shop, a Chinese restaurant, a library, the post office, a convenience store, my bank at the time, and even had a grocery store right next door. All within a five-minute walk. When I started college, it was a 20-minute walk door-to-door. Loved living in that neighborhood. Best pizza shop was close by, too. Some of you may remember the guy answered the phone. Hello, Bazales. So damn funny. Last place I lived in New York was also right next to a grocery store. Having stores and shops like this close by is so convenient and so completely not in the consciousness of a car-centric culture. I can't tell you the number of times I forgot an ingredient or was suddenly really in the mood to make something I didn't have ingredients for and could just pop next door, grab it, and voila. People talk about the freedom their car brings, but people living in suburbia will never experience this type of freedom. And it is freedom. To choose and have choice and convenience. Freedom not having to get into your car, drive 10, 20, 30 or more minutes, deal with traffic or weather, just to grab the grapes or ice cream you were really looking forward to but accidentally forgot. It's the freedom from having to wait another week or another few days when you happen to be in the area again. You can conveniently pick them up and don't have to make a special trip. Just think about other ways being so far from everything keeps you isolated from experience other basic human conveniences like this. Aside from dog walkers or joggers, people rarely walk around in suburbia. We never see kids out playing anymore because in suburbia there are no neighbors out there potentially keeping an eye on the neighborhood kids. And no one is out because there is nowhere to go and nothing to do. 
It's all houses and nothing else. So why is it like this? One main factor comes down to zoning laws, or specifically single-use zoning, better known as Euclidean zoning. This is the type of zoning that only allows one type of land use per zone. Now, zoning is a tremendously complicated thing, and I'm no urban planner, but from what I understand, this is a root cause of why our modern landscape is the way it is today. Back in the day, commercial and residential properties could be mixed, and that's why we still have some places with restaurants, shops, stores, etc. mixed in with residential properties. But newer zoning laws prohibit this. Now, the intention here was good, as we certainly don't want industrial factories next to our houses or our schools, but they took it so far to the extreme as to not allow any newly built commercial businesses and residential properties to be mixed, and that's why we have suburban sprawl and huge elaborate mazes of housing tracks with nothing but houses for miles. Again, it's easy to see why people wouldn't want to live near factories, but little shops and restaurants? Of course more people could get a ton of use out of that. And these actually keep the money within the community rather than what we mostly have today, which is mile after stale mile of half-empty parking lots, big box stores, and corporations. And do you think the money spent at these places is going back into the community like it would small businesses? So not only is it an aesthetic issue, it's also a financial one tied to the core well-being of the community. As a side note, financially speaking, a lot of people don't realize that our bulldoze and rebuild way of doing things, while always presented as a way of saving money, can actually be untrue in the long run. Think of all the brand new buildings, restaurants, big box stores, mini malls, plazas that were brand new a few years ago and now sit empty with no potential use or turn into a Halloween store for two months a year. And think of all the older buildings or storefronts with apartments upstairs that get used and reused as businesses go in or go under. While there are some old buildings that don't get reused and there are some big box stores that do get new businesses in them, these newer business buildings end up time and again making much less revenue than older pre-existing properties. Look into strong towns if you're interested in finding out more about this. They've done studies on this financial blunder stuff. It's unbelievable. And if more places did have mixed-use zoning with local businesses and housing interwoven, do you know what there would be less of? Traffic in cars because many people would be walking or riding bikes to these places due to them being so close by. The common argument here by people with NIMBY attitudes, short for not in my backyard, is that businesses like restaurants or shops would make for more noise, but these wouldn't be factories or large-scale commercial entities. They would be small-scale mom-and-pop local businesses, which are actually referred to as low-impact businesses. Ask anyone who lives in an area where small businesses are present in their neighborhood, and I'll bet the majority of them will say it's convenient and awesome having them there. Do you want a dance club blaring shitty music until 3 a.m. there? No, but a restaurant, a movie theater, a coffee shop, a pizza place, or a bakery would be awesome for anyone to have in their neighborhood. Less long drives to commercial wastelands, less sitting and driving in traffic, less money spent on gas and car upkeep, less impact on the environment, more interesting diverse neighborhoods, more benefit to your physical and mental well-being, more financial benefit to your community. So what is the solution here? 
Well, obviously, there's no all-in-one magical wand finger-snapping solution. These are complex problems that will take decades of undoing, if they're even addressed at all. A quick individual solution could be living in areas that aren't a model of suburban sprawl, with high-traffic roads and commercial wastelands. The problem with that is, the more walkable mixed-use areas are so sought after, they're simply out of most people's budgets to be a viable living option. Another individual solution would be moving to a European country where this type of ineffective urban planning doesn't exist, or to a place where urban planning is actually functional for people and not just for automobiles. But again, this is an expensive option, not viable to most people, sadly. There are much better places around the world, though. Look into it. Save your money. Bide your time. Perhaps in 5-10 years you can afford it if you put your mind to it save and really make it a priority. In the long term, at least in the U.S., I'm honestly not that hopeful, but I'm trying to be. Zoning would have to drastically change, and I'm not sure it would change enough to make a huge difference. I'm also not sure how long it would take to undo what has been done. We would have to radically change our thinking about car culture here. And for a country that is 60 years behind other industrial countries and something as smart and efficient as high-speed rail, we are at a serious disadvantage in our perspective and infrastructure when it comes to transportation. High-speed rail is a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. And to those using the recurrent argument, the U.S. is too big for high-speed rail, I'm not talking about cross-continental high-speed rail. No one is. Not at first. Not right out of the gate. We would obviously have to start with the too-short-to-fly-but-too-long-to-drive approach when implementing high-speed rail. For those of you unfamiliar, that means building rail where it's a short enough distance that it's not worth the flight, but far enough where a drive would be undesirable. Too short to fly, too long to drive. And even this approach would take many years. There are currently some small, promising developments underway right now, though. The California blunder excluded. The potential silver lining about the California mess is that hopefully future rail projects won't make any of the same mistakes. Look at the rail line project in Texas right now and tell me you would rather drive 3.5 hours than take a 90-minute train from Dallas to Houston. Anyone who rides will be improving their life by not sitting in their car or in traffic or both. Not to mention their fellow humans in the environment. The biggest obstacle even before action is perception. We Americans have lived so long with the hop-in-and-go lifestyle and autonomy of automobile ownership, many of us can't even think to think of alternative modes of transport or infrastructure. Anytime a train line gets proposed, even local lines for cities, it's always the NIMBY argument, not in my backyard. No one can embrace the concept of the collective or the greater good of everyone, including the planet. That's frustrating to me. High-speed rail could do so much for so many places and people, it is nauseating we don't have a network in place in 2021. And in all likelihood, it will probably continue to be private companies leading the way in rail as it is currently. It's sad the government didn't start something decades ago because if they had, it might actually be completed by now. We can't even accept the fact that some people prefer to ride bicycles, whether they're just trying to be more healthy or simply trying to get somewhere. Instead of looking at people on bikes in these ways, we instead label them as snobby, avid cyclists, get angry at them, and just want them out of the way of our cars. 
I see people get frustrated at me sometimes on my electric skateboard. I'm just trying to get somewhere too, just like you. Be an empathetic human for once in your miserable life. Now, I realize the proper bicycle infrastructure isn't in place in many cities. While that is slowly changing in some major cities like mine, it clearly illustrates the existing problem. We don't prioritize anything but car travel, and anything that isn't is seen as other or annoying or not viable, an inconvenience. Not to mention excuse after excuse after excuse about why we can't do this or can't do that. And this has to change if we're going to make any valuable progress in our landscape, infrastructure, and modes of transport. If it doesn't, the traffic jams and long commutes are only going to get worse. Much worse. I've noticed it worsened in the eight years I've been in my city for sure. We've gone through a lot of bad times over the years in this country. In both recent times and in past times, only our parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents could recall. We've also done some good in the last hundred years. Some massive projects that have helped us move along and improve lives for everyone. I think we can handle some bike lanes, high-speed trains, and more people-friendly neighborhoods. All we need is a change in our positions and our perspectives, and for people to get behind it, advocate it, and demand it. Other countries are doing it, and have been for years, and we should too. Okay, so that's my rant. Uh, if I butchered anything here regarding zoning or anything else, feel free to correct me. I'm no genius, and this is obviously not my area of expertise. Uh, this is kind of off the cuff. If you're a new listener, there's a Lou Mooncast t-shirt and merch store on TeePublic, so be sure to check that out. You might find something you like there. And please follow on Instagram or Reddit for updates, new episodes, etc., etc. Links in the description. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Night, guys.